I think I discovered the trashiest show ever. You better not be talking about Bridgerton. No, this show is called Love is Blind. That was like a reality dating show and they maybe get engaged or something without even seeing each other. Yes. Or is it on an island? That's a different one. (laughs) No, they're in pods. They can't see each other. And then they decide to get engaged and then they see each other for the first time. And hilarity ensues. So it's like dating in a pandemic. Hazmats have never been sexier. From Religion News Service, this is Saved by the City, a podcast from two single Christian women keeping hope alive in the mean streets of New York. I'm Caitlin Beatty. And I'm Roxy Stone. Okay, so would you recommend Love is Blind? Like, should I cancel my evening plans tonight? If you're planning to watch Bridgerton, you should go ahead and indulge that. (laughs) I went in so skeptical, like, oh, this is going to be so trashy. And it is trashy. Okay. However, I will say it is really interesting to see people connect without the physical component Mm-hmm. It's amazing to see how quickly people will declare love for each other. Like, can you imagine saying really? I love you to someone you have never met in person? No, I can't. But I can't imagine going on TV to do a dating show either. So It is a little bit deeper than the Bachelor Bachelorette franchise, but that is not yeah, saying... that's not saying a lot. A whole lot. Did you ever get into... I never did. I've only ever watched one episode of it, um, but I was like over at a girlfriend's house and there were a bunch of us and they got together every week to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of was jealous sitting there of like the weekly ritual of it and they were all... And like my friends were just like, having such a good time in a non-serious way like there was wine dogging on the show and talking about the characters and there was definitely characters (laughs) I can't even imagine that they're real people (laughs) it's not that far off but um yeah and like drinking wine yes (laughs) wine and probably eating chocolate but the bachelor bachelorette franchise has been around now for over two decades and I just no yeah wow obviously these reality dating shows have just proliferated in the last two decades. And they speak to how much we want the really satisfying romantic story. You know, like, you you will know right away that this person is the one and there will be immediate sparks and you will immediately want to bring them home to your family and rip their clothes off and there there's no <laughs> negotiation there's no con- I, I like that you put bring them home to your family and <laughs> yeah. rip their clothes off in the same <laughs> that's an interesting ritual the babies have <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is a lot to ask of boyfriends it takes a while for them to get used to that um but yeah just these stories speak to this really prevailing belief or desire Mm -hmm. that romance is real and is attainable. And we watch these stories to give us hope that perhaps this too could happen to us. Yeah. And I will say Bridgerton's not all that far off from that either. You know, it's all these people who like have to get married Mm. because that's the way it was then, especially for women. Um, And whether or not they find love in the process is, you know, this whole other thing. Mm. Um, But of course, you're rooting for them to find love as well as a good match. 
So if I understand correctly, it, it, this is Austin-y territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The trashy version of Pride and Prejudice. Yes. I'm sure if we looked at the success rate of couples who met on reality TV shows, it would not be high. But thankfully, we have our own real-life stories of people finding true love. Today, we're going to hear a love story that gives us a little hope that maybe it's not as bleak as we thought out there. Well, on the topic of bleakness, how are you feeling about romantic love these days? Like, if we were to hook you up to a hope meter, <laughs> hope meter. where do you think you'd land on a scale of 1 to 10? 10 being like, this is going to happen, the Lord has ordained it, to 1 being... Nah, never going to happen. I'm settling into life with my animals. Oh, well, you know, they always say, and they do literally always say this, that it's when you give up that love finally comes. When I finally let go of yes. my desire to be married, yes. that's when I got married. Yes, exactly. So I don't know. Am I am I trying to trick the hope meter and be like, I'm at a one. <laughs> Well, there's probably a difference between... I'm perfectly between... content alone. Right, right. I don't know. I, I On this hope meter, yes. um, mm, I'm below a five, I'd say. I may not be a one, but uh, I did write in my journal at the beginning of um, this year that like I, I didn't think this would probably be the year. <laughs> um, <laughs> so why, why do you feel like this year probably won't be the year? I think it just uh, doesn't feel like a focus. Like it doesn't really feel like something I'm putting a lot of energy into. And I actually have other things I am putting a lot of energy into right now. Mm -hmm. Like this podcast. Don't blame the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know what you mean. So it just, yeah. I mean, I feel like there are a bunch of things that I like want to do this year and that Mm -hmm. I want to focus on. And that just doesn't really feel like one of them. And weirdly, like it feels like you have to focus on it to make Mm -hmm. something happen, um, Mm -hmm. which maybe is just like the apps. And I just, I have no energy for the apps right now. Like I tried Mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm. in January Mm -hmm. and no, February. And I went on one date Mm -hmm. and gave up. So Mm. (laughs) it's just so, it's so much work. I really appreciate though, just recognizing that, this isn't just going to fall out of the sky, you know? No, I think there was, I think I used to think so, but. Yeah, and there's a lot of kind of spiritual framing around that. Like, mm-hmm. God will bring the the man mm-hmm. and you kind of don't have to do any work. You just have to be waiting just for it be to ready. happen. Right, and I'm sure that there are stories of that happening, of course, but my impression from the vast majority of people is that finding love in the real world requires a commitment of time and energy and prioritizing either meeting new people or just investing in a relationship. I mean, certainly at our age, I think that's true. A dating relationship is work, you know, any relationship is work, but a dating relationship is a kind of intentionality that your friendships Mm -hmm. don't require. And I actually think that there's something kind of freeing about saying, Yes, I I want this someday, but now I'm really focused on other things. And actually, I am satisfied and fulfilled Mm -hmm. in the other things that I am focused on. So I very much feel similarly about this not being the right time 
Yeah, right. I did. I did see a guy at the library yesterday. He worked at the library and he was very sweet and kind to this. He was helping this older woman. And I was like, is this going to be the meet cute? <laughs> I smiled. Well, now at him. you know where he works. That's nice. <laughs> You could so have, I could like, just, run into him on the subway, which is tough. Right. I'll just keep checking out a lot of books. Um, but I I feel similarly that right now mm-hmm. I'm really content with what's on my plate right now and don't feel the need to worry about a dating relationship or finding that person. I know that there are people who would say, oh, the clock's a ticking. You better get on it. You got to make this a mm-hmm. bigger priority. But by whose standards? You know, I mean, I get it. I think especially as a woman, like there is a there is there is that biological clock if you want kids. And I mean, I think there is your options change as you get older. I mean, it's really Mm -hmm. true. Um, I mean, I think I think there's times I've felt more pressure around it and I am happy to sort of let that go. I would say I'm a three on the hope meter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because... I am I feel like I want to be realistic about the statistical realities yeah. like the likelihood of meeting somebody of course it's not impossible but I think it is it's not impossible to get struck by lightning either <laughs> And I'm not even saying that as like oh you've heard the statistic that it's more likely that uh-huh. a woman get run over by a bus than married after 40 or whatever this old statistic is it's more just like I think it's unlikely that I would meet Someone who has the qualities that I would be looking for in a lifelong mm-hmm. partner and that he would want, he would reciprocate and that this would mm-hmm. happen in the next, I don't know, 10 to 15 years. I just think it's unlikely. Mm-hmm. But I also think that I'm at a three because if romantic love were more important to me, like if it were more central to right. my sense of what I feel like I need in order to have a happy, fulfilled life, it probably either would have happened by now or I would have ensured that it happened by now. I would have done the work to make sure that it happened. And it, yeah. I'm just noting about myself, like, Caitlin, you don't really want to go on the dating apps. You're, you kind of feel mm-hmm. ambivalent about meeting mm-hmm. men. You, mm-hmm. you seem to feel like your life is full without this. Mm-hmm. So isn't that just interesting about yourself, you know? That's a hard thing in some ways to admit because I think, you know, having lived within the church for so long and, you know, just, I mean, society in general, it's like we love love. Um, and it's, you know, it's like it's tough to admit that maybe this isn't for me or maybe it's not the way that I thought it was going to be. And I think coming out of a divorce, I thought it would just happen again Mm. because it, it just, that, that was like the state of life. It just felt like this is how you live, you know, within a partnership. And I enjoyed being married and, you know, we met in college, which was a time when it's like really easy to meet people because everybody's single and you're just like Mm -hmm. constantly around (laughs) other single people. Mm -hmm. And that is decidedly not the case, the older that you get. So it doesn't just happen. Like we talked about earlier, you have to work at it. But yeah, I mean, it's been, I've been, it's been a decade (laughs) since Mm -hmm. I got divorced. So, I mean, it feels like, okay, 
yeah, if this was something I really, really had wanted, I think it would have happened by now in a way that, you know, it hasn't. I would have gone on a lot more dates, I think, if it was like mm. something I was super prioritizing. I don't know. I'm not ready to be, I'm not totally ready to be like, yeah, I don't think I'll ever get married again and I don't want to, but I also am not, I don't know if I will. Both of us grew up with models of what a daily partnership could look like Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the beauty of that kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. And in fact, neither of us would exist were it not for those relationships. Like literally we would not be here. Which is why we wanted to talk to our moms and hear a little bit about their epic love stories. You know them. You love them. Welcome Welcome back, back, Karen Karen and Sharon. Hello, Roxy. Hey, Mom. How are you doing, Roxy? Pretty good. Thanks for coming on again. Sure. It's always exciting. Well, this time we're going to talk about your love story, your epic life love story. It is pretty epic. I know you met Dad in junior high. I did. Do you remember when you first had a crush on him? Oh, my gosh. He was in the ninth grade and I was in the eighth grade. And I loved his eyes. He had beautiful blue eyes. Oh. And he had kind of an (laughs) Elvis Presley haircut. How does an eighth grade girl get to know a ninth grade boy in the 1950s? That's a real interesting story. We both went to a junior high school called West Junior High. And uh, their classes, his class and my class, combined were over 1,300 kids, and the junior high just couldn't support us. So um, we were sent downtown to the high school, so the 8th graders and the ninth graders wandered around together for a year. Dangerous. Yes. So do you remember your first date? Yes, we went to a show. Guess who drove us? (laughs) Grandma Stone. Yes, Grandma Stone took us in the car. We sat in the back seat, Grandma Stone was in the front, and she drove us to the movie theater. And then she came to pick us up right after the movie. And then uh-huh. we stopped at one of the little local drive-ins, you know, like the A&W root beer place. Anyhow, we went through that and had it had a root beer and talked and visited and then took me home. He walked me to the door, held my hand. There were no kisses on the first date. Just held my hand, walked me to the door and said, bye. See you again. And that's how it all started. You got married at 20. Yes, both of which... us were 20. It's still hard for me to believe because you're both really, I would say you're more practical than romantic, both of you. And so it seems crazy to me that you got married so young. Why did you? Um, Both of us had visions, um, dreams that we wanted to share with each other. And we just wanted to do things together. And so there really wasn't any reason. We both were so in love with each other. There wasn't any reason to hold out. So when you think about your marriage and dad today and all those years together, what do you think made him such a good match for you or makes him such a good match for you? You know, there's something about a love that you kind of sense right away. And I think that's what both of us had. Um, Your dad is a very um, special person. He's very um, knowledgeable. He is very empathetic and he just really is special. What do you think makes him good for you? He, 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 it's kind of silly. It comes from a movie, but it's really true. He completes me. He makes me feel good. That's too cheesy. I know. That's why I thought it's from a movie, but that's really, it's kind of silly, but it's kind of true. What about his personality makes him a good match? He is able to make me feel good. He makes me feel right. 
I don't know. I just, yeah, there's all kinds of things that I can say. <laughs> I just love him. I, I love being with him. I love what he does. He turned out to be an absolutely incredible father. Uh, we just didn't really have always enjoyed each other's company. There's the school bell. There it was. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you have to go back to class. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Mom, for joining us again. Sure. And I always enjoy hearing about you and Dad and your story. And yeah, we have had a great marriage. Story. A lot of lot of years of love and and compromise and growing together. Love you. Love you too. Hi, Mom. Hi, Han. I know I've heard this story bits and pieces, but I basically want to know about the first time you and Dad met. Okay. I remember that even though I'm old and it was 45 years ago. (laughs) Well, I didn't say you were old. (laughs) But I was a recent high school graduate and your dad was getting ready to start his senior year. We went to rival high schools and Mm. I had never met him before. We worked at a summer job outside, um, kind of part time. and, And we just, you know, how teenage boys and girls do. We just talked and I don't know, maybe we flirted a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I noticed he had a cool car. <laughs> um, what was it? It was a 67 Mustang convertible. So there you go. Teenage stuff. Did he eventually ask you out on a date? Yes. He asked me if I wanted to go to a Cincinnati Reds game and we went out and had a Mexican dinner beforehand. And I will tell you, Caitlin, I had never eaten Mexican food. Um, this this is the early or mid 70s. And I didn't know that this Mexican restaurant existed, but he did. And we went there and then we went to a Cincinnati Reds game. Did you know early on that he was the one, quote unquote? Gosh. No, not how folks say the one now. I mean, I realized the more I knew him that he would be a good one. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, sweet, kind, um, was funny. And there were just so many things as I got to know him that I thought, why wouldn't this be the one? Mm-hmm. But at that time, I I never felt like, oh, God is telling me this is the one. And so fast forward a lot. (laughs) You met 45 years ago. You just celebrated your 42nd wedding anniversary. What do you think makes dad such a good match for you? Well, we are different. That's for sure. (laughs) Well, we are. And we started saying that we're glad we have two brains, his and mine. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> because sometimes we need them. And, you know, maybe that's kind of an analogy of marriage because it takes two to make the whole thing work. And, you know, there are times when you might feel like you're working harder at it than the other person or like some of the burdens fall more on one person than the other. But it really takes two. And now that sometimes we forget things, the other one remembers. So that's a good. <laughs> and, For the last 25 years or so, we have acknowledged God in our relationship. Mm -hmm. We kept our covenant and God blesses that. Well, thank you for 
recounting some of the highlights of your and dad's relationship. It's a good story to remember. Yeah, it was a good story to remember. Yeah. And I didn't tell you all of it. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Kate. Roxy, I'm sure you've heard elements of Sharon and Rocky's love story. But hearing it again afresh, was there anything that surprised you? I don't know if surprise is the right word, but I kind of gave my mom a hard time because she, when I was asking her to kind of reflect on why she and dad are so good together, she like went to the, you know, it feels like we complete each other line. And I was like giving her a hard time about how cheesy that is. And then I felt bad about it later. But um, I feel bad about it because as cheesy as I think that line is, and as much as we like tease about it, when I think about the fact that they've been together for 55 years, like they've lived their entire lives together and they are who they are because of each other. Mm -hmm. And so it may not be true when you're first like falling in love in a rom-com, which is when that line has been used, but it might be true after 55 years together. When your whole adulthood has been spent, your entire sense of self has been forged Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. direct connection to this other person. It makes sense why couples like (laughs) your mom and dad would say, I can't imagine living without this person. Exactly. Because they have never done that before. They wouldn't feel complete without the other person. Oh, that's really sweet. Hearing about Karen and Tim. My mom used this metaphor of them sharing a brain. (laughs) (laughs) Sharing a brain so that they have more, they're more effective at getting through life. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like there was something very practical about her answer. Just like two are better than one. Like if I forget something, dad will remember Uh. it, you know, or... If he's trying to work something out, I can help him plan. Like there is something about Mm -hmm. relying on each other's strengths, especially, you know, they're in their mid 60s heading into a new season of life where they might really have to depend on each other in in really practical daily ways to Mm -hmm. flourish. Um, So I thought it was a funny image like your dad and I share a brain. Every thought I have is his. Every thought of his is mine. It's like, oh, this is getting too weird. But I think it actually is kind of sweet at the end of the day. Yeah. I wouldn't have a I wouldn't mind having a brain that can fix things. I know. That's one of Yeah. <laughs> Same. This is going back to that stereotype about having a handyman around. <laughs> I guess there's a reason this stereotype exists. So maybe we need to get off of like the dating apps and just start using TaskRabbit a lot <laughs> for, for projects around the house. Yeah, I've never heard of using TaskRabbit to meet men, but this is this is making sense to me. Speaking of how to meet someone. Especially in a time when very few people have been meeting in person. Our guest today met her significant other during the pandemic through a matchmaking service. Our conversation with Faith Brooks is coming up right after the break. Religion News Service is an independent, award-winning source of global reporting on religion, spirituality, culture, and ethics. For the best in global religion reporting, religionnews.com. And if you like what we're doing at Save by the City, let us know. You can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews make a huge impact. They help our egos, and they help other listeners find the podcast. 
or send us an email at sbtcpodcast at religionnews.com. We want to hear from you. I'm Paul Brandeis Rauschenbusch. The State of Belief is a weekly podcast with a potent mix of spiritual wisdom, political strategy, and hopeful commentary in a series of inspiring conversations, celebrating our diversity, and bringing us together to, in the words of the great James Baldwin, achieve our country. The State of Belief, where religion and democracy meet. Distributed by Religion News Service Podcasts and available on your favorite podcast app. Today's guest is Faith Brooks. Faith is a writer, speaker, activist, avid traveler, and co-host of the Melanated Faith Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, Faith. Hey, Faith. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about this conversation. Yeah, we can't wait to hear the meet-cute details of your life's (laughs) (laughs) rom-com. My life is a rom-com, for sure. (laughs) Let's go way back, like when you were a little girl. I'm presuming that you had ideas about how, how your romantic life would unfold as an adult. Yeah. What were some of those ideas? Like, what did you expect? Like, oh, when wow. I, how am I going to meet the love of my life? I wanted a love story really similar to my parents. They got married really young. Oh. Um, I thought that I would meet somebody, I didn't know where, maybe college, but really I didn't have my sights set on college at that age. I was going to meet them maybe at church, you know, mm-hmm. a good church, a good church boy. Um, and then I would have, you know, a bunch of kids in my 20s. That is how, in my mind, as a little girl, I thought my life would go and I thought I wanted to have six kids. Whoa, jokes on me. But (laughs) how much of that do you think you got from church from the Christian community around you? Oh, my gosh, so much of it was from church. I would even say like, even more than my parents, you know, a Mm -hmm. lot of it was from church purity culture movement you know i used to be singing um rebecca st james wait for me you know song and you know reading the elizabeth elliott's i think it's like passion and purity or something i read at some point in my life you're bringing out all the big guns rebecca st james elizabeth (laughs) elliott i was really committed to that model of yeah that's how things are just supposed to happen Mm-hmm. until it didn't. And then, yeah, then I was like, oh. You write that heading into the pandemic, you'd gotten pretty down on men. Mm-hmm. What led to that despair? What are some of the things that you would point to that were really making that time difficult? Yeah. So, you know, fast forward, college me, living life, traveling, working, Mm -hmm. building my career. And now I'm, you know, a few months away from turning 30. I'm still single. And the more successful I become in my life and my career, the further it makes me feel like I am from meeting any Mm. kind of great guy. And then coupled with that, I really wanted to be with a black man. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it, there's more of us than there are them. (laughs) And so, you know, you just kind of feel like you don't really have as many options. Mm -hmm. And online dating is, you know, (laughs) it's rough. So um, (laughs) it is rough. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) Um, The swiping and I really genuinely do not know how I'm supposed to meet somebody. So I kind of was just like, you know what? Forget it. Forget love. Forget all this stuff. I don't even know if I'm lovable, which is something I was starting to struggle with. Like, am I just Mm -hmm. not worthy of being loved or will I not Mm -hmm. be loved? Um you know, in more of a romantic way. Like, I understood platonically my family loved me. I had friends, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. 
But um, I just wondered, like, maybe that's just not in the cards for me. And now the world's standing still. So it probably really isn't in the cards for me because I don't know Mm -hmm. how I'm going to meet somebody right now. All Mm -hmm. right. Now we've got the we've got the sad backstory. Let's <laughs> let's take our let's take our turn toward the rom com. You said that in the fall of 2020, you had a friend who put out a call for matchmaking services, and you mm-hmm. agreed to apply, which is amazing. <laughs> Was that weird? Was it fun? Obviously, it worked. But tell us m- more about just the experience. You know. I would always tell people when they would say like, you know, why are you still single? You're so great. You know, I was like, Mm. get out there and network for me. Okay. Like if you, I'm tired of the prayers, (laughs) stop either, you know, you can pray and network. Okay. And then I would tell them that, you know, faith without works is dead. So if you're not praying and networking for me, just cut cut out the speeches. When I saw her post, I thought she was kind of joking. And um, but I was intrigued because I love reality dating shows. It's just like a great fun pastime for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I had watched Indian Matchmaking. And that was the first show mm-hmm. that I thought, oh, you know what, this is kind of cool. Like, this is pretty smart. And maybe I need somebody to do this for me. But I really didn't think about it anymore other than that. So when my friend put that out there, I messaged her. She messaged me back and said, um, I'm so glad you're interested. I have a person that I think um, might work for you. Hmm. Um, Do you like nerdy guys? And I was like, yeah, I actually do. And she said, great. Well, here's this application. Fill it out. Then I'm going to schedule an interview with you. Um, and check your references and all this stuff. And it ended up being like this three page application. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, she she's was really serious. Taking this seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought she was kind of, you know, joking in a way mm-hmm. when people are like, I just want to set you up with somebody. And did she match you with the person she planned on? Like, that she, she did. suggested? <gasps> and she that did. was. And that was my husband. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so you only did. had one match. I had only one, one match. Yeah. She is good at this. Yeah. She has a good, <laughs> good success rate. Okay. So backing up a little bit, you wrote that you had a Zoom call yeah. with his name is Marcel. <laughs> yes. When you were done with the Zoom call, getting to know him, did you think, oh, he's the one? I thought that there's something really special about this guy. I'm really interested to see where it goes. I am a romantic and I've gotten my hopes up so many times. Mm -hmm. So I was really trying to be like objective. He was like diving in head first and I'm kind of like, okay, like pump the brakes, sir. You know, (laughs) and so it took me a little while before I really let myself like dive in deeply with him. But Mm -hmm. I did know very early on from our conversations I think this is the guy for me. But I didn't want to let him know that that I felt that at first. I was like, you got to, you know, yeah. do a little work first. And then we'll we'll mm-hmm. see if I, you know, like warm up a little, which mm-hmm. I did. So for those of us who are hearing your and Marcel's story and thinking, that sounds really nice. <laughs> what is your advice for us who are still open to love in our lives and have dealt with despair, you know, should we look for a real legit matchmaker? Like what's what's the next step here? What's the plan? Is that the only secret? (laughs) Man, I would say be willing to take measured risks. Um, And I say measured because, you know, you got to have common sense still. Um, 
But I would say, like, get out of your comfort zone. Having a matchmaker was really outside of my comfort zone and not something I would have done. And Marcel and I talk about this all the time. We, as many people as I meet that I have intersections with, like, they know somebody that I know. We had no common friends. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no way we would have met each other had we Mm -hmm. not had a matchmaker. And so... That was out of both of our comfort zones. The other thing um, that I really had to like hone in on was like, what kind of a person do I really want? What kind of a partner in life do I want? Mm -hmm. And what things am I willing to like adjust or like sacrifice for being with the right person? So really plain example here. We met, the first thing I asked the matchmaker after I get off the call with him is, um, how tall is he? I was like, is he, a t- is he as tall as I want him to be? You know, like six <laughs> foot or something. Mm-hmm. And she's like, he's five, six. And I was like, ah, like, I don't know. Uh-uh, that's not what I asked for. And she- Wait, how tall are you? I'm five, four. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so he is taller than me, but still, I wanted a tall person because most of the guys in my family are tall. And so I... um she told me one thing she told me she said faith he really is everything you asked for but Mm -hmm. this one thing and i think you should give him a try like and Mm -hmm. see if it works before you count him out and i would say like that was probably some of the best advice i've been given um she said that to me and my family in a variety of different ways also said that to me like my brother said if he has everything you want and the only reason you don't want to be with him is because he's short, then you just want to be single. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was, you know, slightly, of- yeah. I was slightly offended, but um, he was really right because Marcel is an incredible partner and a great friend and he's the perfect mm-hmm. fit for me. And I had to get out of my own way, my own comfort zone, my own, you know, super like, You have Mm. to look and be like this Mm -hmm. um, in order for me to, like, really look at what, like, I had in front of me, which was an incredible Mm -hmm. guy who knew what he wanted. So, yeah, I mean, those that's like the advice that I would give, because that's something like I had to personally, like, work on and live out in Mm -hmm. my own life and reconcile. And it was completely worth it, like worth Mm. every leap and risk. It was worth it. How do those of us who do really want, at the end of the day, who do really want love and a romantic partner, how do we keep hope alive when despair feels easier? Oh, man. Truly, to be honest with you, as I dated Marcel, because I was still unpacking, you know, my own hurt from other things in my life, I had to continuously make sure that I was removing despair and cynicism from the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. And um, over time, like my heart really softened, but it took time. So I don't even want to say that like before you meet a person, your cynicism could just be melted away. Like it might still be like existing while you're getting to know a person that ends up being your person. But I think the main advice that I would give is even if those feelings are there, don't surrender all of your hope to cynicism. Hold on to that little bit of hope that you have, that something could work, that you are worthy of somebody loving you and believing their word, what they say, you know, 
when it comes to like valuing you. And it takes that leap of trust to be able to start opening your heart to somebody and wanting to believe what they're saying to you and taking that to heart, right? So it's a process, but I feel Mm -hmm. like you have to allow yourself to open up a little bit. And over time, you know, as you open up and they prove themselves to be trustworthy, those kind of feelings of cynicism and doubt begin to to melt away. But one thing that I had to also do verbally was shift my hope and my expectations to believe that like I'm worthy of receiving what I want. And I just took some time away from listening to breakup songs and FU songs <laughs> and Ninsuk, you know. Um, and I was like, you know, let me let me shift my mindset towards hope. I don't know what hope looks like, and I don't even know if it will be worth it. Like, I don't mm. even know if mm-hmm. if me deciding to be hopeful about being with someone will be worth it. But I know that I'm tired of thinking that I'm unworthy. Mm-hmm. So I have to find a way of believing that I am. And so I just made really small changes mm-hmm. so I could believe, like, what I wanted. And I said it. Like, I I know what I want. I'm going to find my way to it. I wasn't just going to write it on a piece of paper. I said what I wanted. I saw that post. I got that matchmaker. And mm-hmm. I was like, I want to see what I want to happen. And then it did. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Congratulations <laughs> to you and Marcel. It's really a lovely it story. It gives me hope, and I'm sure it gives hope to a lot of our listeners, too. So thank you so much for sharing it. And yeah. thank you for coming on the show. It was fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Caitlin, after hearing Faith's story, has your uh, hope meter changed at all? I think it's at a five or a six now. I actually really, I know. I've like, it's like over on the other side of the scale. You had a hope infusion. Yeah, I think the big takeaway from Faith's story of finding love for me is not so much here are five quick tips on how to meet somebody, but just the importance of keeping your heart open, Mm. that you can't control the outcomes of dating relationships or guarantee that this is going to happen, but having a posture of openness and believing that it could happen is probably a better way to live and go through life than being closed off to it. Do you think you'd use a matchmaker? She actually sent us the matchmaker's info. I would try it once to see Mm -hmm. what it was like. I would enter into it as a life experiment. I think that's kind of how I feel. It's like, I'm very curious about it. Yes. Hmm. Well, a podcast for a future day. If you need me to review your application, just let me know. Thanks. Saved by the City is a religion news service production. The producer is Jay Woodward and the consulting editor is Paul O'Donnell. We get production assistance from Elizabeth Joy Windham. Chaz Rousseau put together our look and Martin Fowler wrote our theme music. We are Roxy Stone and Caitlin Beatty. Thanks Thanks for for listening. Is this getting too dark? (laughs) No, not for me.